0: Clear takeoff left hand. Take off left hand, it is point.
1: Middle left, slip west, copy. Hello and welcome to the Blue Skies Podcast, I'm PR Ganapati, your host. It's my great pleasure today to welcome back to the program a guest who's been on the program twice, Group Captain Anil Kumar Ghosh, also known as Toots in the Air Force. And today we're going to speak to Group Captain Ghosh about his experiences with missiles and this is the first time we've had a guest on the program to talk about missiles surface-to-air missiles and so it's going to be a fascinating conversation i'm sure we're going to learn a lot but first things first welcome to the program sir thank you so much for speaking to us again
0: thanks Ghosh it's always been a pleasure to talk to you
1: yes sir so you know just explain to us the the basics of Surface to air missiles as a concept, and then maybe you can speak about the various types that we have had or have in the Air Force inventory, and then specifically we can go deeper into the ones that you're most familiar with. Okay,
0: okay. Uh, uh, First, let me go back a little into history. In 1962, the Chinese gave us a bloody note. Okay, so around uh, December 62. our Right Honorable Prime Minister uh, Jawalan Erudi wrote a very tearful letter to President John Kennedy at that time and he said, please give me two squadron of fighters and one squadron of bombers without consulting the Chief of Air Staff what exactly was required. So, President Kennedy reacted in spite of his preoccupation with the Cuban crisis at that particular time. He reacted and told his defense secretary to send a team down here to find out what exactly they were. So the team came down here and they found we needed everything. <laughs> so, so to start with the whole air defense setup was set up initially by the Americans, they did 500 series AC. That is the 501 SU at Banala, 503 at uh, Ayanagar, Delhi, 505 at Lucknow, 507 at Singharthi, and 509 at um, Shillong.
1: Right. So for the audience who don't know what an SU is, can you just tell us what a SU stands for and what is
0: it? it is, SU stands for Signal Unit. It is actually a radar station. We had absolutely nothing in the old So they set up all this from scratch and along with the SU, they set up a communication system called uh, uh, Tropo Scatter System, high antennas, only for dedicated to air defense. The, so much for the surveillance part of the air defense was initially started in by the American. Then unfortunately, President Kennedy got assassinated and the whole thing went into cold storage but better sense still prevailed you see the American can't give us anything right now so we went to the Russian so, those days our senior traps could only think of air defense fighters and all the Russian says a fighter is not the only thing we can control a, a situation from the ground itself by the Service to air Guided Weapon System, SADW, and that was also SADW. That was the time also when this man called Gary Powers was shot down by a Guided Weapon from a very high altitude and brought down and found a prisoner of war in Russia. So that also was the, you know, awfully, suddenly people realized there is something called Guided Weapon. So we, everybody knew all about the MiG-21, which were coming in with the, I mean, people went for training in Russia in 63, but along with the MiG-21, this was also, uh, uh, we had also decided to go in for the Sam-2 system, it's called the Davina uh, weapon system. The, the Russian uh, missile systems are named after their river. Davina is the river in Russia the river in Russia and others also, NSC and so on.
1: Okay, aha, uh-huh.
0: okay. So this was the Davina weapon system which we had gone for. Now, not just a question of getting a weapon system and setting it up and integrating it into your weapon. I mean, radars and all that. You had to have a proper establishment and a setup. So the Russians sent the team and the setup 11 sites, 6 all around Delhi, that is the capital city and what is called a counter value target and another 5 in Ambala Chandigarh area because that was the counter force target with Ambala being trading basis for your offensive Canberra and all that, and Chandigarh being a very vital uh, uh, center for your supplies route in Delhi. So 11 bases were set up, proper bases and uh you had to have a small 10 meter area three meters high in a, where the main uh, radar used to be set up and uh, six or concrete uh, hard stands in that area and the total area required was 200 acres of land so each of the 11 uh, uh, bases, which are set up by the russian had about 200 acres of land six around delhi and five in uh, ambala Tadigar. so that is how they all so all this work started in 63 and 64 and by 65 middle the equipment uh, was to be inducted into the country plus the people who had gone to russia for training were also coming back and setting up the bike. but by 65 we were in the middle of the war already so the the whole setup was about to be set up in the middle of 65 war. It is not fully operational at that time, but in 65 war, about some of the units were set up, especially around Delhi and And these units, like radar stations, were doing actual watches. I mean, uh, uh, there were six corners around Delhi, so six uh, uh, corners were doing about three school, six hours at a time and another three six hours at a time like that actual water controlled by a center in a place called rajopri which is also in uh, delhi so that was the whole thing uh when uh, uh 65 operation is just about getting the stuff the it Quite a big major operation and wasn't done overnight but it took some time so 65 or the Sam 2 contribution was not much, but uh, in one incident where the equipment was being transported by rail, one of the launchers, launcher was the main thing for the missile. It is a good heavy 14 ton of body steel. So that began loose and went uh, sort of a beam on the rail. So, it knocked off that ki Mandi bridge, which is in the central Agra. So, that created quite a commotion. So, people knew something was happening as far as the Sandhu is concerned. So, as a result of this accident, the Russians issued a, what they called a TIB, Technical Information Bulletin, as to what precaution to take when you are moving this equipment up and down by road, uh, by rail. So, that was the only contribution of 65 word. Now, after 65...
1: Now, sorry sir, sir, you know, I just can you describe the SA-2 system in a little more... I'm
0: coming to that, I'm coming to that. Now, now, after 65 when the missiles were settled down, people had no idea whatsoever, including our very senior officers who were all Burma campaign heroes and all that, a very little idea of air defense. As well. They only thought air defense was something like Battle Britain, only aircraft would take part in that. So 65 and this garipaz uh, incident stained all that but we were out of sight out of mind you know six sites uh, in the distance away from delhi plus ambala and remote places like that so nobody ever really knew what it was they only knew missile point and missile point now the bread and butter of a missile coordinate is not missile, <laughs> bread and butter of a missile coordinate is the radar and the radar was a huge uh, The basic thing, uh, was uh, uh, there were two radars in one actually, one was the main antenna system and one was uh, another steel cabin called the Ua cabin, ua cabin. These are Russian words. Ua cabin is the main control cabin, and there were two other cabins called a coordinate cabin and a, I mean a control system cabin. Now the main uh, antennas system was just uh, something like a P12 uh, radar, but it was a different. The antennas were different. One they were at like ll shape. One was for elevation and one was for uh, uh, azimuth. Azimuth is same as bearing. So what the uh, guidance uh, MGR is called missile guidance radar used to scan in two different planes: the vertical plane and the E plane, and also had another radar to calculate the range of the target. So what you got was the coordinates, three coordinates, were elevation, and range. So these coordinates went, were taken into a coordinate, team and the calculation were done, and this provided the in target information. Now you had another antenna on this, which which came into action only after the missile was launched. So that was on a different frequency, and that provided the coordinates of the missile. So these two coordinates were brought together by the this coordinate system, and that is how they defined the guidance. I mean that is where they figured out where the missile had to actually go. They the, uh, uh, taking the taking the Consideration for the speed of the target, the height of the target and so on and the speed of the missile which went up and down and finally went into up to 30 meters from the target and thereafter radio fuse which is inside integral part of the missile took over and brought it to a point called 10 meters from the target and that is where the explosion took place. The missile never hit the target, it was a hit in the proximity of the target. And it had a 190 kg warhead, 190 kg a lot of uh, uh, it was a 250 pound of bomb. So it was actually a 250 pound bomb with a rocket attached to it. And that 250, that produced a cloud of pellets which was lethal for any aircraft within uh, 30 meters of the so that was the whole thing. But basically, this purple system was designed against the B-52. B-52 was a huge aircraft.
1: So they didn't anticipate that there'd be a maneuver highly maneuvering target. They didn't anticipate they didn't plan for that. So the missile didn't have any intelligence or radar or any sort of homing capability. Everything was on the
0: ground. The missile brains were on the ground. So these are is the component of the MDR. Which calculate, we track the target and calculate the position of the target and position of the missile and brought them all together. That was the aim of the whole exercise. Uh, now, uh, the, the, the as I said, the missile spawn had very little to do with missile. missile, the storage of the missile, the assembly of the missile, the testing of the system, the fueling of the missile, this is a liquid propellant system. Fueling was uh, very tricky. You had to store the fuel. The fuel was nitric acid, 98% nitric acid is oxidizer and there's another uh, fuel uh, in the which was already loaded in the missile by the text point. is a benzene fuel, benzene compound. These are binary fuel. Binary fuel means when you, two fuels are brought together, you don't need a light to ignite it. They automatically uh, 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 explode. So that is how the whole system worked. The liquid rocket engine worked on that principle. The binary fuels brought together and then the whole process started. And this was a two-stage missile. The first stage was the liquid uh, rocket uh, engine and the fuel tank. And the second stage was a booster, which is a solid fuel. The booster got the initial list of the thing when the uh, missile was launched. It uh, uh, ignited and worked for about three and a half seconds, which carried it about five kilometers or so, five, six kilometers or so, and then the booster fell off automatically. Once the booster fell off, then the antenna of the missile was exposed, and then it started getting the commands from the ground. So uh, here a little difference in, in fighters. When you lock on to a target, when you initially lock on to a target, you say lock on, <laughs> and then you fire. <laughs> here, here you lock on only when the missile start receiving the thing. Uh, 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 that is why the guidance officer declares uh, lock on. Then, mama missile locked on is getting instruction from uh, the ground. So there's a little difference in the terminology and the whole concept of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, so you know. Um, the missile travels at very high speed, right? Much higher speed than an aircraft, but has very small control surfaces. So, it's not as maneuverable obviously as an aircraft. The
0: missile speed is uh, in what we get is in meters per second. 200 meters per second is the normal Canberra speed is 0. 0.75 Mach. 240 meters per second is one Mach. Missile travels at one uh, almost three and a half times the speed of sound is hypersonic at the final stage. So, but the control systems are still, they are vibrating all the time. So they somehow manage to keep the missile on track and uh, uh, keep it somewhere near okay. so the thing. The uh, probability of hit of an incoming target is quite high. I mean, uh, According to the book, it is 98%. We provide a salvo, a three missile. But if it is a if it is in receding mode, then the probability it drops to almost 30, 33%. So it's a theory of buckshot, you know, which is if a duct is coming to any fire, the, the initial state, the, uh, the, the density of the lethal pellets. Will be high, but if it's going away from you, know, fire the density of the uh, pellets will decrease. So therefore, the chances of it is less. It's low probability.
1: So you know, uh, stand sorry uh, uh, on the surveillance radar, or you know the 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 you know traditional strategy for attackers is to fly really low to evade radar. So, what sort of range does it pick it up at? What sort of range does the missile have?
0: When the equipment came from Russia, each SAM 2 squadron had a P 12 radar along The P 12 was supposed to do your initial surveillance, and once the radar was picked up, to hand over to the MDR, then the MDR will track you. The MDR was not supposed to do surveillance. MGR could only look in a particular sector. That, that only gives you. If you start using a torch in a dark room and start looking all around you, it's not a very sensible thing to do. Only when you find out why you have to look, then only you put on the torch. That is the same, same principle. The MGR would only focus on the, the uh, initial pickup and then carry on on its own. Unfortunately, somebody in their wisdom took away the well from the SAM2 squadron and formed separate units, early warning radar units called the 3101 squadron. That was tragic mistake, and that cut the effectiveness of this weapon system to almost one third. And then you blame the weapon system for not being functional if you don't castrate a man and then call him input in. okay so you 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 have to use the system the way it was designed to be used. we start introducing our own modification then obviously you're not going to get the efficiency out of the voice so what happened was in 65 we, we didn't really learn this lesson but by that over the years when the I mean, uh, this uh, this basic P12 initial pickup, they said we will get from the ADDC. We never got anything from ADDC. We have to use this MDR. And, and sorry,
1: for the audience who don't know what an ADDC is, ADDC anything. is the
0: Central Air Defense Direction Center. We have the Air Defense Control Center and you have the air defense direction center. Air defense direction center is where the air defense is the heart of the air defense system, which gives you the basic inputs of the basic air situation of what is going on the ground. OK. So unfortunately, that didn't work. And in 71, it was possible. obviously it didn't work. So but by the time, by 71, we had gained enough expertise to uh, sort of uh, Make do without the people by using the MDR on its own, on its it. intelligently. So the MDR will left to pick up the target and the MDR will later on to engage. It. So that is the start part, it didn't really work always. Right? That's why the, nobody ever really put this weapon system seriously. So, 65 hours over 71. They were deployed, but then we had to cater for a low-level threat, so they were deployed mostly around the airfields, like in Punjab. You uh, had Adampur, Halwara, Batinda, Sira, so on other places like that. But here, the sam had to be deployed not in the proper uh, cement concrete casting. They were deployed in the open field. Now, open field is all fine, but this is a very heavy, uh, easy launcher, 14 tons. And on top of that, you are going to put another 2 tons of uh, missile on it. So, initial alignment would be okay for firing, but subsequent. Uh, firing, loading, there will be problem, And after each firing, you will have to align the thing, what they called, uh, otherwise the the, uh, the missile and the launcher have to space in the uh, same direction and the limitation was only two mils, two milli radians, so if the if it is outside the two mils, then the radar will been looking somewhere else and we go in some other direction. So they're very tricky. Nobody really understood this. So it became very difficult for them to you know, keep things in proper shape. So that's how it uh, happened in 71. But however, let me tell you this story of uh, an engagement in Adam. 61 squadron, which had this MDR and six launchers and six missiles, were deployed in one place in northern one end of Argentina. And this was on third night, third and fourth night. And third and fourth night uh, P12 were not there, but the MDR picked up in a particular direction. And, uh, flickering uh, pickup around about 100 kilometers from Adenpur. So that morning there was a sort of uh, incident which uh, made everybody a little comfortable. Morning, one uh, Avro aircraft came in without proper clearance, and all that. They found a track which is heading for Adenpur. So they were put on high alert and they almost shot down the aircraft. But because the Avro was slow and all that, the people hesitated. They said this can't be an attacking aircraft, we couldn't be coming a late. So they hesitated, hesitated, and finally to declare the Avro. So night when the actual raid was expected, they were doubly careful. That might not be one of our own aircraft, and then we shot it down at the hell of a this flickering pickup was picked up sometime. They kept tracking, and this guy kept reporting back to ADDC. He said, I've got a pickup, I've got this confirmed something, confirming something in the area, don't know, nothing, nothing, nothing. So, as he, this thing came close, it was about at about 200 meters, 200 meters per second, kind of Canberra speed. And uh, this guy, was heading for the town. So apparently, he had made a navigation error and he realized. So he climbed up a little bit to turn around. That is when the time he was spotted. And he, uh, this skull, kept yelling. He says, I got a target, confirm, identify, identify, turn, turn. And this guy was turning, turning, turning and there was no response from AD. so finally this guy sort of did a u-turn and from the position of the aircraft he was going from incoming uh, from the from going from incoming mode to receding mode and at a time when he was in the worst possible situation that is called a parameter parameter means you your direct distance from your position to the track made good of the aircraft he is going from incoming mode to receive mode in a parameter of 16. that is the time here says aircraft hostile. you're clear to engage so he fired. now sam2 has a at high level it has a range of 34 kilometers at low level that is around 300 meters it has a range of 18 kilometers parameter 16 is just about within the very clear zone of the uh, three Pact. So, first missile took off, six seconds later, second missile took off, third, second later, third missile took off, and they all headed for this particular point. And the geo, the guidance officer, could see it on his screen. And when the impact took place, he said, impact, target destroyed. The target destroyed means cannot find it on your radar screen anymore. So, we declared target destroyed and people were in high spirits and all that, we shot everything down, this and that. Okay. So, but uh, next morning when they went to that approximate area where this uh, impact, I mean, data uh, was supposed to hit, there was nothing. They called a goalie, uh, CV Goli, who the AOC at Arambu at that time, he said, sorry, boys, tough luck. We, no racket, no kill so they didn't get it so everybody put their morale back into the book and forgot about it 20 years later 20 years later there was a guy called Pushpindar Singh he wrote a book called Fajaya Fajaya is the motto of the Pakistani book this is a book about the Force. and in that book the official casualty list of the Pakistani Air Force was mentioned over there. Number three, serial number three, aircraft B 57, pilot, squadron leader Pureshi, target Adampur, date for fourth night. So, this aircraft was hit in spite of the worst possible conditions, this aircraft was hit at least by one missile. Probably the the pilot got incapacitated or what happened, we don't know, but he didn't eject. He went down with the aircraft. The navigator who was sitting in the back, B-57 and Canberra are a little different, the navigator have ejection seat and they sit at the back. So navigator ejected and was apparently survived. His name we found out much much later was Flight Levelan Chisti of pakistani Airport. How we got the name we don't know, but it it was confirmed the navigator survived, the pilot died to the aircraft and he was awarded some Ilali Rurat or whatever. Wow. So, this is a parallel to that story of, the Dwaya, if you know, in 1965, there was a mystery raid of in, uh, uh, long back and uh, Devaya was the number four of the last, last uh, uh, raid and he w- was caught when the cap was already there. So he ejected his tanks, and he and knowing full well they did never come back, but he shot the aircraft down. And this and this whole story was written by a Pakistani pilot who was in that uh, formation at that particular. Point. And Dewa was given a Mahavir after 20 years after 1965 right, operation. Right. <laughs> mm. but the first right. have two boy got nothing. Okay. Nobody ever took up their case, unfortunately. Very, very unfortunate. So, that is a sad story of 71. But, one of the purposes of an air defense system is to inflict an unacceptable additional rate on the enemy. And after 3rd December, there was no attack on any of our airfields in. Where Samtu was the foreign in throughout the rest of the year they were at great free. Nothing happened. Nobody ever came anywhere near in that day. Okay. So the enemy gave us a lot of respect. Unfortunately, our own boys never gave, uh, I mean never took us very seriously. So that's how it is. And <coughs> if you compare, there used to be a there was an op- uh, so, thought this, this, this was the time that uh, 6175, Vietnam was very much uh, on. And one of the main weapon systems uh, used to defend Hanoi and Haipong. Hanoi was the capital city of North Vietnam and Haipong was the main port. There were series of uh, deployments around uh, this thing. And these were heavily attacked by the B-52 bombers. There was one operation called Operation Rolling Thunder. That happened in, I don't know which year, I think, maybe 72. <coughs> Christmas time in 72. Concentrated attacks on uh, Hanoi and Haikon by a uh, BVT2 bomb. Now, this weapon system is basically designed in the 2 uh, and, and this hill zone, the area where it can guarantee a kill of an aircraft is extends from 27 kilometers height to 34 kilometer length and 18 uh, kilometers at low level now b it is bombs at around between 12 and 15 kilometers height and once it is committed to a bombing run it cannot maneuver much okay so you see in a, so suppose you are in Hanoi and you see a target community level 15 kilometers height and 15 kilometers speed, it is textbook sort of uh, conditions for an engagement. So, but unfortunately what the Vietnamese were doing, they were firing only one missile, but they probably had some supply chain problem or something like that. Once they got their act together and started firing three missiles, that bvt 2 was guaranteed, body hit. If not brought down, then probably quickly coming. Okay. The, after the operation, the operation lasted for 10 days. In 10 days, the Russians claimed 32 bvt 2 whereas the Americans admit 16 lost. confirmed. So the real figure is between 22 and 24 aircraft loss, along with the crew, that sort of loss even the Americans could not take, they had to call off this episode, okay, but they never admitted that this was because the sandtrooper, whatever it they, they just called it off, they couldn't take any more loss right? and they never had any uh, uh, operation like this, uh, Operation Rolling Thunder, as they called it. So that is the one story of SAM 2. Unfortunately, we never had anything in that scale. But the SAM2, whatever it was, it was a deterrent For the enemy at least, if not we never took it seriously, but the enemy took it seriously, And that was what it was required. <laughs>
1: Now, is a, can you give me a sense for how, uh, in peacetime, uh, SAM-2 crews train for, uh, you know, real-time operations? Do they actually fire a missile against, uh, you know, I don't know if you had drones or anything of that sort in those days, but how how would one train or, or prepare? Peacetime training is not very realistic in the
0: sense that, you see, like, in. <coughs> my squad the crew the crew is around consists of 30 people in in uh, fighters it's very simple pilot presses the trigger missile is the aircraft he gets me chakka. in in, in SAM2, is not so simple uh, for that matter any missile is not so simple right? the missile the target is the effort of the crew and the crew can be a humble couple who is operating a uh, diesel generator or uh, actual tracking, which is done by an MN Tracker, the elevation tracker, or range trackers are done by an MN. So these things are simulated in a simulator which is not very realistic. So what I remember in, in my case, I, uh, with my license and all that for years, I have to say that look, let us go somewhere where you can see actually aircraft flying, and then we can train. Then you will also get uh, your training to spot us how we deploy, where we deploy, and what are, whether camouflage is any good or bad. And we will also see how we can actually track it. So, in, when I was in Calcutta, we to go to first, we went to Dudkundi range. Dudkundi range is in the, uh, beyond uh, the normal air to ground range. And there was a hunter's cone there and a knock's cone there uh, in So I have to take uh, the attack we set up and then we say, okay, you get a bond now and you carry out an attack on us, a high, uh, steep glide uh, attack on us, so that my attack can also track you and get some idea. So, okay, so we used to see these spots on scope and I used to. Tell the geo and the trackers now what? Now what? What is happening? So he climbing up. He, what is he doing? Maneuvering. He is not maneuvering. He is coming up for a dive. Okay. He goes out to three kilometers, and then he, your parameter, you can see is changing. Changing means it's coming to zero, and then again you'll see him pulling up, and you'll feel the elevation going higher and higher. That is what you'll see on your scope. He says, what does it mean to you? He says, "Sir, so he is maneuvering. <laughs> he's not maneuvering, <laughs> the bloody man. He's coming to take you. This is how, he, if you see an attack like this, you assume that you are the target. Okay, not anywhere else. So, this is the mental concept. Of the technical officers and the trackers are not very clear, but once they saw this, they were convinced. Okay. Otherwise, just seeing a little blob, you know, changing direction, changing height, and all that doesn't make any sense. You can get him all right, but problem is in this condition, you better get him before he gets you. Because he comes within range and releases bomb, then you will be gone. So, to that extent, it took a little effort to convince your crew and convince uh, you and by and large everybody was, went off quite happy. Mm.
1: Now, I remember in Ambala we had uh, two missile squadrons and occasionally the Jaguars would be tasked with just making low passes to give the crew a, a sense for what they'll actually see. Ambala later
0: on when the Pachauras came in, uh, they were portraying Pachauras and but Pachoras on the airfield, they are always seeing aircraft flying around. Mm-hmm. Some do, you should be in the wilderness somewhere, not always get to see an aircraft. Or you practice your tracking on civil aircraft, no, that is not realistic. That is not good. Unless you get uh, some place where you see fighter aircraft, and what, what they see, if you. A target changes direction and height and speed at a fast rate. What do they call it? They call it maneuvering. It's not the maneuvering. It's maneuvering to get you, position himself to drop his weapon. So, these are the things which since we were in the aviation game.
1: Sir, sir, can I take you back to, you know, Sorry. You know, you were a fighter pilot uh, and then later flew Canberra's. So in some sense, you were the target of these missiles. Now, as a pilot in the aircraft, what do you see uh, both in terms of your, uh, any sensors that give you any sort of warning or visually? And what strategies are you supposed to employ to, uh, dodge or avoid these missiles and evade these missiles. What countermeasures do you have uh, typically? In
0: When we were flying, I mean, in my targets, unfortunately or fortunately, I never had anything experience of being chased by any aircraft, you know, or any missiles being fired at me, and nothing like that. But it is only, we had no defensive aircraft or only defense for darkness and only defense for low uh, low uh, height. I, I remember a time, first day I saw the target was delayed, 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 delayed TOT was delayed, time over target. And we, by the time we were coming back, we were brought So we had no other chance but except to have the ground from a tripart level and maximum speed. Otherwise, uh, but then at that height and that speed, you know, fighter aircraft would not be able to cope. But we ha- I had no experience of missiles being fired at me or anything like that. And any case, later on DRDO came up with a gadget called uh, rear warning radar receiver, passive radar receiver. But that used to give more false warning rather than actual warning. I don't know if anybody got an actual warning or not, but uh, it definitely gave a lot of false warning. It created a lot of panic in the aircraft and if you are inexperienced and if you did not uh, keep your head screwed on, uh, you are quite likely to do something dangerous. As it so happened, we lost 5 aircraft in 71 battles. One went down into the sea, One, two were actually shot down. One was in Satyashur and one was Brian Wilson in Dhaka. That was the ground fire. But two other aircraft, one B-6 and one B-12. B-6 with one pilot and two navigators and one B-8 with one pilot and one navigator. Went into sand dune near Jassel Net. For why, we don't know. But apparently they were coming so low that they just hit the ground now why did they come so low probably because of this uh, rear warning receiver which indicated that somebody had locked onto you that could have been one purpose both the aircraft had that okay so therefore this sort of uh, defensive equipment wasn't much of a help it was hidden an and a danger positive physical danger so two Loss of two acre totally unnecessary, totally unnecessary. But so that it happened. But anyway, that's it happened in war as it is. Unfortunately, 65 uh, the weapon system was introduced. By 75, you are still importing the stuff. But again, somebody in their wisdom wound up the 7 BRD where the overall is take place and wound up our training institute and dwtl by right, the training so without fresh input the system died in natural death and that was a time when our expertise were better than the russian we could maintain the equipment better than they didn't get things out of it they couldn't have ever imagined like for instance, uh, uh, Low-level uh, engagements. are seen in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, where we have to go for uh, or Sri Lanka was a rain that was near Gunto. The, uh, the actual firing, live firing of the uh, missile had to take place over water. The minimum height, minimum. Uh, 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 Height of the uh, engagement is double the height in the land, that is 300 meters over the land is high over water, suppose it's 600 meters over there. But I have seen missile engaging target just 50 meters above the sea. You know, in a target, you drop a flare, the flare comes down. On its own, so you track only the elevation uh, range model. remain remain the same, the elevation, I mean, the azimuth remains the same. Azimuth means bearing. So, you fire when the thing is just about 100 meters over the thing even less than 100 meters, it you can So, that is because of tuning the system is good. So in fact, we managed to kill a few dolphins of all the surgeries, our part. When well, later on, we went to see this. But uh, that is how it is. And we, uh, I mean, our knowledge and our expertise was at its peak when somebody said, wind up, go I mean, it was ridiculous. There was a very senior officer who, was, uh, who had gone to Russia with long to brought in the pichoda. Now he had some ideas of his own. has not come to re- 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 replace the sam has come to combine with the sam make it com- cover the dead ground of the sam The Samtu, dead ground was quite a bit, almost several kilometers from uh, the bay the pechora should have covered that distance and with that it has been a very potent system, which have carried on for at least another 10 years it was allowed when the sam2 wound up here in india moscow is still being protected by sam2 not to mention sam3 and other but this was not the original sam2 which brought down very far this was the fourth version of the sam it's far 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 uh, superior than anything else. but unfortunately it was a liquid propel system so it was bulky and it was you know a lot of hassle taking uh, it liquid too. so that was the unfortunate part but anyway one, one of the good thing which came out of the sum to death was that the prithivi inside our indigenous uh, the surface to surface missile, first generation surface missile. The liquid propellant engine was the Sam 2 engine. So the Sam 2 was reincarnated in the Prithvi missile. missile. That's a sum 3 <laughs> Now, of course,
1: what are the big adva- uh, you know improvements in the Sam 3, the Pachora versus the Devina? Uh- Basically,
0: it's not a liquid propellant. It's it's a, uh, it's a solid propellant system, but his range is much less, and his warhead and other electronics is a little. Samtu's original first valve valve system. Okay. Pichara is much more digitalized, and electronics is um, up to date. And uh, um, that's about all. But Pichara is a point defensive not an area defense, today you got a S400, S400 which you are getting is an area defense system as well as a point defense, okay, which is combination of both and far far greater range than you can ever imagine, so plus a lot of automated where earlier you had a human being now you have machine and computer, so practically everything is automated. But the basic thing is, is an area defensive which is sam2 work and unfortunately uh, uh, oh yes, initially <coughs> there was an attempt to reverse engineering the sam2 there was a project known as the devil missile program it was uh, under uh, air marshal viran uh, and mm, Canberra navigator, who was also sort of Einstein type, I, uh, he got in a uh, uh, team of uh, engineering officers who re-engineered this uh, Samutu, the electronics and A.O. I was involved in a, my unit was involved, my unit was in Sri Lanka at that time, doing the test firing. So I had done a lot of test firing for this um, devil missile. Which are a popular from too but unfortunately, and un, un, very unfortunately, our metallurgy was not to that extent where as as good as what the original Russian was, because you had a fuel tank, the initial fuel tank. When it fired, it had to withstand 300 atmospheres pressure uh, while being only one millimeter thick so that is where the failure used to take place that as soon as the uh what you call Uh, first stage disengaged and the second stage ignited the missile used to go first the whole problem is we could not Bring out a fuel tank, one mm thick it will take 300 atmosphere of pressure. which is to burst. But that was long back. I'm talking about 1980. Uh, hopefully, things have changed by now. I'm sure things have must have changed by now. That was one of the main weaknesses which the devil missile project never took up. Then uh, as it is, people said, see, I told you you use this as it is. Why waste money on this? So, we, we, we left and took his team along with him and the whole
1: project. Was now, subsequently, we've had other systems which are some of the shoulder launch, some of them, you know, the short range, quick reaction. And then, of course, we've indigenously developed the Akash, which seems like a modern version of, but you know, of Akash, the size as and scale, far as I know, I don't
0: know much about Akash, but as far as I know, it is easy. You had the SAM 2, the SAM 3. The SAM-4 was the AKAS missile, the three missiles on uh, wheeled vehicle, uh, which, was, which had a ramjet engine. I think that thing has been modified and uh, now accepted as the AKAS. Vehicle. But it is again a point defense system, not an area defense. And now that we are going to the S...
1: But something like the S-400, S-400 will be an area defense. You had multiple
0: missiles for multiple contingencies. Not just one missile. Each uh, uh, thing has four tubes. Now all four tubes have different different missiles for different contingencies. Long distance, short distance, like that. But I don't know much about S400 also. But whatever it is, I think it is a very sensible uh, solution under the circumstances. Because the S-400 will talk, take a lot of load of the air defense. You don't have to depend on aircraft or air defense. S-400 will look after that. And I am sure if you deploy this S-400 in the Lagarde the area, you will keep the Chinese at bay. They won't get funny. As it is in Lagarde area, you are better off if you Use the Air Force sensibly, your are far better off. And if the Chinese try anything funny, they'll get a bloody note because your Air Force capability, your air capability is far superior than what it was in the past. And it will remain so because they don't have very many bases in that area, whereas we have. I mean, not only in uh ladakh Srinagar, but also in, in the real Bases, which can be extended by material theory. so. That is wishful thinking in the future. But the s 400 is a very sensible acquisition. on oh, I oh, hope something... We did so, it's two-color in the next.
1: So I have a, one question which is, um, you know, how, what procedures do you follow or technology is available to prevent this missile from locking on to a friendly aircraft? You know, when you're operating and you're uh, actively scanning for and are free to engage incoming targets. Uh, how do you prevent your engaging a friendly aircraft? What technology or processes do you are in place? And, you know, we had that situation during the 2019 uh, airstrikes that we shot down a Mi-17 by mistake with a spider system in Kashmir. Uh, how does something like that happen? What processes are in place typically to prevent that from happening.
0: I see that human error will always be there, no matter how sophisticated technology is. Some dumbo will press some wrong, it is a Murphy law, you know? something can go wrong, something will go wrong. So it is not like <laughs> But then the chances of keeping this as low as possible is, is the aim of the See. Like that Malaysian aircraft was shot down the first Ukraine thing. Just unfortunate. Nobody knows who pressed the button and why. But unfortunately, they were thinking it is some of the aircraft or they brought the civil aircraft. So, all this, these sort of things happen in spite of the best efforts to keep the probability of such occurrences as low well as possible.
1: Super. Thank you so much, sir. This has been very uh, enlightening uh, because, you know, the first time i are speaking to somebody who's operated surface to missiles, and it's really been uh, education. Really, you know, grateful to you for this conversation and for a lot we've learned today. Thank you, guns.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Well, folks, that's all we have time for this week. Join us again next week. In the meantime, sign up for updates at blueskiespodcast.com. There you'll find links to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can also write to us with your comments, questions, suggestions and feedback from the website or to blueskies at prganapati.com. Subscribe to the podcast on any podcasting platform such as Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even on YouTube. If you like what you heard, share it with your friends, give us a rating in your favorite podcasting app, and write us a review. It will help other people find us. I want to give my thanks to Saurav Chordia for our logo and Prithvik for the music. I want to reiterate that all the views expressed here are personal, and this podcast has not been approved by or reviewed by the Air Force, Ministry of Defense, or any branch of the government. In the meantime, stay safe and Jai Hind.